Welcome to the All About the Journey podcast, hosted by Wisdom Moon, where you'll hear inspiring conversations with Christian leaders from various backgrounds and industries that are making kingdom impact. Now, here's your host, Wisdom Moon. Hey, welcome back to the All About the Journey podcast. I'm your host, Wisdom Moon, and today I am bringing you an interview I did several months ago, but I feel is still very relevant and very timely. And my guest is a staff member at Chick-fil-A corporate headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. And his name is Jay Atkins. And he has some great insights and thoughts that I think will really inspire you and encourage you. And if you're listening um, right now in, in the March 2020, uh, the whole world has been experiencing uh, the coronavirus pandemic and the world just seems like has changed overnight. And uh, one of the reasons I did the interview with Dustin Smith on the last episode is because it's on everybody's mind right now. And there are so many unknowns and so many, you know, questions and so much chaos. And so we're looking for hope and looking for answers and looking to get answers about when will this get better and when will this end. So uh, (laughs) I say all that to let you know I'm recording from my home studio today, not my normal studio um, because of the pandemic. And I think, you know, podcasts are a great way to still Uh, grow as a leader and still continue to learn from others, even if you're stuck in quarantine or in lockdown mode in your area. So thank you for joining me on this episode. And I think you will find it very uh, worth your time. But if you are a leader of an organization, whether that's a church, a ministry, a business, Um, or even within your own brand, uh, I want to encourage you to check out Marketing with Wisdom because today it's more important than ever to really know how to communicate effectively uh, to the people around you, to your community, to your audience, whether that's, you know, knowing how to uh, effectively use social media or coming up with a strategy that makes sense for your brand uh, in the way that you communicate and uh, and just bring truth and hope to people that need it the most. So I want to encourage you to check out marketingwithwisdom.com. And without further ado, here is my interview with Jay Atkins. Hey, today I am excited to be joined by my friend Jay Atkins. Welcome, Jay, to the podcast. Hey, Wisdom. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and you're... Last name is spelled the same way as the Atkins diet, right? Is that right? Uh, I think there's a T in there uh, for the Atkins diet. It's A-T-K-I-N-S. Okay. Right. I think that's the difference. But yeah, people call me Atkins all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So you live in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, You're a husband, kind of a newer dad. um, And you work at Chick-fil-A Support Center as the Senior Project Specialist by day and then also you're a worship pastor by night you're a songwriter and do you like to drink coffee uh that's all i drink is coffee okay (laughs) pretty much i think i stay dehydrated most of the time (laughs) i'm forced to drink a bottle of water and then i drink more coffee nice are you uh pretty picky with your coffee uh yeah 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. People call me kind of a coffee snob, but uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. And then, then sometimes I'll drink just like a caffeine delivery system if I'm desperate, which is usually not good coffee. Right. What is, what is that? Just a ca- just any kind of like nondescript coffee that tastes oh, horrible, yeah. but it's just for the caffeine. Like, oh. yeah, if there's no good coffee available, so gotcha. <laughs> I know so, it's terrible. Yeah, you have coffee. I actually have a cup of tea, which I drink a ton of coffee too. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know for some reason I like to drink tea during interviews. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I I just feel more smarter, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. My wife uh my wife is actually a big tea drinker. We both are actually. We we love oh, right. uh, both. Um, but yeah, I'm I, I kind of dabble in a little bit of coffee coffee roasting as well. So maybe that'll oh, be something wow. I do in the future. So we'll see. Man. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So tell us real quick what uh senior project specialist mean and what do you do at (laughs) Chick-fil-A? Well, okay. So at Chick-fil-A, I'm a senior project specialist for the hospitality department. So if you visit our support center, we're on 75 acres. Uh, We're in multiple buildings. We're we're laid out much like a college campus. A lot of the different hospitality experiences that you'll you'll experience while you're there, even from the the guest experience when you arrive, uh, I help develop, create, and innovate around those. And so over, over the last five years, We've gone through a major uh, renovation of a lot of our property, and we're still in that. And so I sit on teams like our campus experience team uh, and our hospitality team, and I focus on what are the new initiatives that we want to create? What are the new experiences that we want people to have when they come to Chick-fil-A? And then how do we create those within budget and on time? And so, uh, believe it or not, we are successful, but we are successful because we live on budgets. And so, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's fun. Um, and so, yeah, just to get to see a lot of projects and uh, things implemented and some of my my just big ideas fleshed out, uh, you know, with, within teams and make them better and, and then get to implement them and see them be successful. So it's a lot of fun. Wow. So this is just for like the headquarters. Yes. Just for the, just for the sports center. (laughs) Correct. Not the restaurants, maybe one day the restaurants, but, uh, and some of the work that I've gotten to dabble in, in the past and even currently, uh, may have potential future, uh, impact in the restaurants. And so, um, I'm excited to see where some of that is, potentially going to go. That's just amazing that like, you know, you guys have a team dedicated to the experience of people visiting that campus. Well, we have, uh, we have anywhere between with our full-time staff and then contract labor that works there and then guests on property, we can have up to 3000 people a day on the the campus these days. We're growing like crazy. Praise God for that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a real blessing, but it's also, you know, a work in progress constantly because of that. Yeah. And I actually got to visit you like over a year ago, I think now. It was a really unique experience and I really didn't want to leave. I was like, can I just stay here? And then, yeah. You're always, always welcome back, man. <laughs> I got to like get a nice tour and see kind of like, you know, the behind the scenes and the huge like cafeteria you guys have with all the free food. <laughs> it was amazing. That's what everybody always talks about is all the free food that we have on the campus. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we parked the fitness center right next to all the free food. <laughs> so it's you can watch of, people work out while you're eating, right? Right. It's part of our, our <laughs> fit, fit to lead strategy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So tell us about Jay Akins in high school. What was he like and what did he do? 
Oh man, Jay Aikens in high school. That is oh, that's a that's a weird Jay Aikens right there. <laughs> um, so I was a super introvert in high school. I was the shy kid. I was a preacher's kid, and we grew up in some really conservative environments. And so I was just kind of like fly on the wall constantly. Mm. I was really overweight in high school, so mm. I was like really insecure uh, with that. And I think that fed into my, you know, introvertedness. And so yeah, so that was me. I always like sing in choirs and stuff because obviously, like, who doesn't sing in choir? That's the easy grade, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I did that, but I was actually one of those kids that nobody knew could really sing. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I moved to Atlanta my junior, the beginning of my junior year of high school and discovered football and uh, made some fast friends there and started playing football at the small high school that I went to and actually got in pretty good shape uh, and was like doing choir stuff. And then my senior year of high school, my my choral teacher actually discovered that I could sing uh, she put me into a Christmas show and I sang a solo wow. and everyone literally thought I was lip syncing because I was the football <laughs> player. I was the, the shy football player, yeah. right? That just hit things. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And then they, it kind of, the people found out I could sing and then, uh, I kind of that eventually when I went to college, auditioned for some groups in college and, that kind of is what God started using to pull me out of my shell a bit. Mm. What kind of compelled you to like become a worship leader? Yeah. So uh, funny story. So like I said, I grew up in some really conservative environments. My parents were, um, my parents were kind of the first generation Christians of our family. Mm-hmm. Um, they came to Christ when they were both in high school. Uh, they met uh, in the, um, in the registration line at this really conservative Bible college that they went to and, and they were just following Jesus with their whole heart, yeah. uh, but grew up in these really conservative environments. And I remember when I was like, I think I was 11, I had saved up my allowance and gone to the little Christian bookstore and I bought this tape. Okay. You remember those things? Those things oh, yeah. that you yeah, <laughs> you have to listen to them straight through, right? Or rewind them with a pencil. And uh, so I bought uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman's For the Sake of the Call that album like it had just come out and we were listening to it and my mom would take me to school my mom was the the not as conservative as my dad Mm. and so she would let me listen to some christian radio that had a a beat to it you know and uh it wasn't just sandy patty and lauren o'harris if you guys remember that i'm really i'm really telling my age Uh, uh, so she would let me listen to some of that christian music i wasn't supposed to and i got all of this for sake of the call album stephen chris chapman and I literally remember riding in the back seat of the car, listening to that album, looking out the window. I was probably 12. And uh, I felt like it was really the first time I heard the Lord speak to me. Mm. And he said, that's what I want you to do one day. And I had no idea what that looked like. You know, I had no idea if that was on a like, pro scale like that. I, I just, I fell in love with Christian music at that point. But honestly, because of the environment I grew up in, it was like piano or nothing. And so I took, I took a piano a little bit and then we moved and, uh, my parents didn't have a whole lot of money. So I wasn't able to continue, Mm -hmm. um, taking piano lessons. Yeah. And, uh, and that was, you know, it was, that's kind of hard for me at the time. Fell in love with Christian music then started listening to music, started singing a bit more, started desiring to, to do that for career, but felt kind of limited in that, in the household that I grew up in. Mm. But, um, you know, the, the Lord is good in that. Um, I think 
because I'm I'm that kid who grew up like really just falling. I fell in love with Christian music mm. and just listened to it my entire life. Yeah, uh, and I know for me, I think the Lord is good in that because that's what my heart and mind needed to um, stay focused on Him as I was yeah. growing up. And uh, and so went off to college, started singing uh, in groups there. Got a little less introverted um, and traveled a bit and sang and just fell in love with the idea of worship music. Um, my wife and I kind of grew up going to 722. If you remember what that was, yeah. that thing was uh, started by Shelly and Louis Giglio and really is where the passion movement grew out of here in Atlanta. And that is where I really kind of experienced some of my first worship leaders, mm. you know, back in the day, Tomlin started there uh, or well, partly started there and then um mm. who else steve fee you know todd fields all these guys were having an influence on me mm. um and my wife both and so just fell in love with leading the church um to glorify god through music so that's the long answer awesome so yeah. where does chick-fil-a kind of enter the scene in your life yeah so uh ironically my wife and i met uh, at a wedding we were both singing at. And so, you know, obviously two musicians and uh, vocalists. And we got married a year after we met or a year and a half after we met. And we're just kind of doing life and helping leading worship at this little church. I was working this little job at a hardware store and my wife was teaching school. And it was just, you know, uh, we were young and learning how to be married and learning how to be a couple. And yeah, um, I had a friend working at Chick-fil-A about a year and a half into marriage. And he was like, Hey, I need some help at the Chick-fil-A support center. Mm. It's called the headquarters at that point. And he's like, would you be interested in doing that? And I said, well, what's the job? And he's like, well, it's working in the kitchen. Mm. And I was like, Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, but it's Chick-fil-A. So let me dive into it. And they paid me, they paid me a little bit more, you know? <laughs> so at that point I'm like young and poor and married. And it's like, yes, they pay more. Absolutely. I'm there. And it's good chicken. Uh, so I mean. yeah, it's, it's a great company. So I, I started, uh, I started bread and chicken and unloading trucks for the, for the corporate cafeteria at, at our headquarters. Mm. And then I would pull trash at night um, for some overtime. Oh, wow. uh, and work some long days and just make ends meet. And it was, it was so much fun. And the great thing about Chick-fil-A is they, they really invest in their employees. Mm. And so uh, I had the opportunity to grow. I, I actually taught myself to cook uh, and started, you know, asking for opportunities to help do more in that cafeteria. And so wait, how do you yeah. teach yourself to cook? Like was you, it at you, home like, with YouTube? Was, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> no, that's a good question. So I, uh, I would basically take the menu that we were, we had planned for the month and I was okay. looking up recipes, uh, for those items. Like how would I make that at home if I was making that for my wife? And then I would watch a lot of the food network to learn techniques Oh wow. and read some, read some cookbooks and all that. And so then I would, a lot of times, like if we were cooking a meal at work the next day, I would prep and cook that meal that night for my wife the night wow. before. So I come in and know <laughs> a little bit how to, how to help, you know, yeah. what to do. Wow. And, uh, and so just kind of fell in love with cooking at that point in my life. Uh, still do most of the cooking at the house because I oh, love really? it. And <laughs> I'm fast at it. Um, and uh, I'll, yeah, I love to be creative with that. But yeah, so did that uh, for a few years and then ended up leading that team. Mm. And then I had the opportunity um, 
several years ago to step off into project management and kind of diversify my skills and, and continue to grow with Chick-fil-A. So kind of one of those, one of those stories of just started at the bottom and I'm still kind of at the bottom, but no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, uh, I just continue to, you know, Chick-fil-A loves to invest in people who want to be invested in and want to grow. And uh, I've, I've been a recipient of that grace Mm -hmm. and that, that opportunity. See, like if I was to try to get a promotion through like cooking, I probably would get fired because <laughs> yeah. it was so bad. But yeah. you apparently didn't do a bad job at it. Well, it, it's fun. Before Truett Kathy passed away, I had the opportunity because I, I, I knew him mm. um, fairly well. Um, he, he passed about five years ago now, but mm. uh, whenever he wanted something cooked personally, he would, he would come to my cafe. And he'd be like, Hey, I went to the farmer's market. Can you cook these for me? And he would take it home to him and Jeanette. And then when he, when he opened his last restaurant, true, it's Luau, uh, which was a Hawaiian style restaurant. He didn't go to our R and D department to do the menu. He was like, Hey, he came to my kitchen and was like, Hey, can you help me create this menu? So I had the the joy and honor of when Truett was 90, he started that project when he was 92 um, to work with him on that, um, his final project before he passed away at 93. Uh, and we got to see that thing. He got to see it open uh, before oh, wow. he passed. Uh, but yeah, so you, you can go to Truett's Luau in Fayetteville, Georgia and experience some of the creations that I got to work with on. That's uh, awesome. on. Yeah. A lot of fun. What a unique experience. I guess, you know, you wear multiple hats, uh, like through worship leading and as well as, you know, being there at the team at, you know, Chick-fil-A. Right. What are some uh, leadership lessons that you've learned over the past few years? Like if, you know, a young leader was to come to you and say, hey, what are like the three most important things I should know about leadership? What would you say? Yeah, leadership is a big, is a, is a big word. Um, I think one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately that I've, I've learned um, especially when it comes to leading people. Um, I think, you know, we focus so much on the doing uh, when we're young that sometimes we can forget the people that we're doing it with Mm -hmm. uh, and forget that if you're out front leading, you can have all the vision and all the passion and all the, the, you can grind as hard as you want. Uh, But if people aren't, if people aren't running with you, then you're Mm -hmm. not really leading anyone. And, And I think it's okay um, I think our, our culture always says, Hey, you know, you, you've got to be a leader. You got to be a leader. You got to be a mm-hmm. leader. But I think some of the best innovators actually work alone, yeah. uh, for seasons of their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't think there, you have to put this pressure on everyone to be the best leader every moment of their life, mm-hmm. uh, in, in regards to other people, because there are times that you have to pull away and really yeah. invest and create yourself. But I do think that when you do engage and lead other people, you've really got to engage with other people. It can't mm-hmm. be about you. It can't be this narcissistic approach to my success. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I'm only focusing on my success as a leader, then I'm, I'm probably not helping the people around me be successful. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. If you can help the people around you be successful, you will be a great leader. And you will be successful in the process. And so yeah. it's, it's kind of counterintuitive sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, too, one of the things that I've 
learned in the in recent years, especially in leading people uh, and helping people grow. And even in my own personal growth, one of the biggest struggles, I actually wrote this down last week because I was thinking about this. Um, and it's probably not perfect, but it's when good intentions plus bad habits are allowed to remain in a team, they equal destructive and dysfunctional culture. Mm. Uh, and I think that's, that's the key to uh, a healthy leader is you, you are the person that's creating and leading and developing culture. And a lot of times the greatest challenge that you're going to face is in leading people and helping them grow and yourself grow is you've got to be really honest about the bad habits that you have. Because I think we all have good intentions, right? Most of the time, people that you're leading have really good intentions, but we have some bad habits. Mm -hmm. And the challenge as a leader is when you're addressing those bad habits is to make sure that people understand that I know that you have good intentions. Mm -hmm. Because I think some of the greatest mistakes that I've made is not helping people understand that when I'm having to help someone change their bad habits, helping them understand, hey, I know that you have good intentions. This is not a judgment of your heart and your character. Mm. This is more about your your skill set or your actions or your um, your capacity in something. Let's let's help grow those things. Mm. Um, and so, helping helping people and even yourself create better habits that actually support your good intentions because that creates healthier healthier culture. If that wow. makes sense. Yeah, that's that's so good. Would you mind reading that to us one more time? So yeah. We- Get in our heads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When good intentions plus bad habits are allowed to remain in a team, they equal destructive and dysfunctional culture. Wow. Right. And you can you can take that team and replace it with family, replace mm. it with relationships. Yeah. Replace it. I mean, it's it's kind of it fits across I think uh, every part of your life. Yeah. You know, but always remember people, people by and large have really good intentions. Mm-hmm. So how do we help? How do we help each other have better habits? Um, and that's just key to change management mm-hmm. uh, in, in life. I think what's maybe an example of, you know, helping somebody realize that they have bad habits or, you know, a specific bad habit and then helping them, you know, change that habit because habits are hard to break. Right. right. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you, like you're going through a change management process. Like who who really enjoys change, right? We all yeah. really like to kind of land in our sweet spot and just operate out of that. Mm-hmm. But but when you're in a growing organization, change is constantly happening. I think what happens is you have to you have to continue to talk about the change that needs to happen on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't say it one or two times and expect people to get it, right? Yeah. And then on the other hand, too, you've, you've got to continue to address specific issues specifically with people Mm. uh, individually and then help them take the action step, not just expect them to understand what the next action step should be. Right. And so really say, if you see, you see an opportunity for someone to change a habit, then you go to that person, you talk to them, you help them understand, okay, I know that your intentions are good. Here's this habit. Mm. Where's this habit coming from? Let's understand. Mm. Let's understand why this habit is here first, because you don't want someone to feel completely misunderstood or not heard in yeah. that because that habit is important to them, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a part of who they are at first. And so let's understand what that habit is. And then let's understand what would be the next step to create a healthier or more consistent or a better or stronger habit. And then 
you just get buy-in. So you got to talk to someone. You can't just dictate to them. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be collaborative and it's got to be continual. And if it's not, if it's just this, hey, I need you to change this. And there's not an understanding of a why there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not an understanding of, hey, I actually have good intentions. This feels like you're judging my intentions, you know, and you don't clarify the, all the mm-hmm. assumptions that could happen and actually control the narrative, right? Because we create if you don't, if you don't actually create the narrative yourself and explain the narrative and and talk it through with the people that you're leading, like the correct narrative, mm-hmm. then we're going to create our own narrative, right? Yeah. And so um, that gets in the way, I think, of helping create better habits. Mm-hmm. Is if you if you aren't willing to have those just consistent and difficult sometimes and clarifying conversations and having them more often than you think you should, because mm-hmm. I think that's the role of a leader, right? Yeah. Is to, to remind people of, Hey, this is where we're going. And this is why we're going there. And this is how we get there together. And so yeah. you have to, you have to do it more, more often than you ever want to. But I think that's, that's key to helping lead people and helping people create better habits. That's so good. Um, so, you know, along those lines, you know, I, I think a lot of times, there are those, you know, narratives that we create because there is a lack of communication, you know, from the top right. leadership. And then, you know, when there is communication, it's kind of too late. So it feels like dictatorship, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, if somebody that's not on the leadership team is feeling that, you know, feeling like there's a lack of communication and there's a lot of, uh, like a dictatorship kind of approach to leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you suggest they go about approaching the leadership about that issue? Yeah, I think um, I, I counseled a friend on this the other day. Um, and and I really, I encourage them to write down what their questions were because you always start with understanding. I think uh, often we, we kind of start with what we're frustrated with. Like yeah. if you're not intentional about understanding first and then responding to what you mm-hmm. know, the new information that you understand. So, I think communication, as difficult as it can be, you've got to have a strategy for it. So I think you sit down with that leader that maybe you have a misunderstanding with mm-hmm. and you seek to understand first. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ask questions like, okay, when this happens, why, what was the reason behind that? Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? Um, help me understand what our goal is because maybe I don't understand it as clearly as I should. And mm. what was the process that got you there? And you, if you do that in an honoring way and not an, an angry, hey, I'm frustrated with you kind of way or a, um, because it depends on the leader. Some leaders are, are wide open to that, right? Mm. But other leaders um, could feel completely blindsided because they yeah. think they're just nailing it, right? With their team. And yeah. if they have a team member walk in and go, hey, I'm, I'm mad at you for this. You know, they can tend to throw up their their walls and yeah. um, and then you're not going to get a whole lot done. So mm-hmm. I think if you can first seek to understand and assume that their intentions are good, just like remember, we're talking about, you know, hey, you're you're I want to as someone that I'm leading, I want to I want to assume I want to clarify and under I want you to understand that I know your intentions are good. We just mm-hmm. may have some habits that we need to change. Do that for your leader too. Give them that grace. Give them that um, that uh, opportunity to clarify some things. Yeah, because uh, and you know, I, I talked to my friend the other day. She sat down with the CEO of a company, uh, and she had her whole list of questions, and it was a really successful conversation. Mm-hmm. She was like, "I was blown away 
with how open he was and how responsive mm-hmm. he was and how much he actually appreciated it. Because I think for him in this instance, it even clarified some of his why. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she was really excited. And I think there was actually trust built there mm-hmm. in that relationship when that happened because she did it in a respectful way. Um, she had some really great questions to ask him. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, when a leader has an employee that does that really well, they build trust because they're like, hey, this person is willing to set their narrative aside and yeah. actually seek truth. And those are the types of people we want people we want to work with yeah. all the time, right? We want people who are going to pursue our heart, pursue understanding because they believe in our mission. They believe in our business. They believe in our organization uh, enough mm-hmm. um, to actually pursue what's real, not what they just feel. Awesome. So uh, let's say like somebody, you know, is in a situation where they're kind of like frustrated, you know, whether it's leadership or their position. And this could be, you know, at church, uh, in the ministry position or in the corporate world. How would you like, you know, say like, what's the best way to know if it's the right time for you to leave, you know, the organization or try to stay and like, how do you make that decision? Right. Um, I think you have to get really good at knowing your own heart. You gotta, mm-hmm. I mean, from a believer's perspective, you gotta sit down and get really honest with the Lord and go, how much is this me? Mm-hmm. You know what? God reveal my own heart first. Yeah. Like, because I think anytime that you're having a conversation where you're, you're angry, uh, it gets personal really fast. Yeah. And I think when it gets personal, you don't make great decisions. Um, I've, I've definitely done that. Uh, I I don't think I've left well in some situations. You know, I think there are opportunities in my life that I am learning as I get older Mm -hmm. to, to slow down uh, and make sure that my heart is in the right position first Mm -hmm. of humble, um, gracious, um, not, wanting to walk into a conversation with a baseball bat and, and make people feel my pain. Yeah. Right. Cause it really, that's, that's it. Sometimes when you're frustrated mm-hmm. or you're hurt, right. You just, you want to feel justified because you want other people to feel the pain that you're feeling. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that if you're, if you're making those decisions, uh, out of that place, you're probably not making a good decision. Mm. You know, now if it's an abusive you know, relationship, there may need some boundaries that need to be set, right? You may need to just step out of that and then pursue healing after the fact, right? Um, but if it's if it's a situation where, like in a church environment, that really, hey, we're, we're supposed to go to one another uh, directly first, right? Uh, and seek healing and seek reconciliation, then then do that. But you, you often have to sit down and do some work in your own heart first, because if not, it's going to be all about making your position look right and justified mm-hmm. and making that other person's position look wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just never helpful. Wow. Man. That good? <laughs> that's really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we all tend to, you know, at the heat of the moment, make decisions or, you know, make assumptions about people uh, that aren't healthy or true. So, right. Yeah. I think that's really good. You know, I think too wisdom think you got to have people around you who can read your mail. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's also because a lot of times when we get in those situations, we surround ourselves instantly with people who are going to justify our feelings for mm. us. Yeah. 
right? And so you got to have folks who are in your life that love you and you trust them mm-hmm. that are going to listen really well. And then they're going to say, hey, check your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, but in a real sense of, hey, let's let's check your heart. Let's dive into to why that is hurting you so much and why you're responding the way that you are. Because a lot of times the way that we respond in those types of situations have nothing to do with that situation. Mm. Um, there's other things that's going on in life. There's other things that may have happened to you in your past that you just haven't dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, so much unforgiveness uh, we as a generation, I think, carry around unforgiveness like crazy because we are mm. we are really good at getting mad at people and just completely ghosting them, right? Yeah. And and then you're just like, oh, and then you move on to the next thing, and you try all your same like tricks and methods and and relationship mm. things, right? In, in a new environment, and you see how people tolerate them, and if are they going to let me do my junk? the way that I, you know, did it over there that they didn't tolerate it and I got mad and left. Yeah. And so, you know, we just bounce from, from friend group or church or, um, you know, uh, business without really sitting down to say, okay, wait, is this me, mm. you know, and, and doing the hard work that of, of really maturing, um, as followers of Jesus yeah. so that, so that we can be more mature wherever we are. So, yeah, I think I actually heard the term ghosting like a couple of weeks ago for the first yeah. time and like learned what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really interesting, you know, just, um, especially like the younger generation coming up, their tendency to just avoid conflict mm-hmm. and not deal with it. Um, and just ghost somebody, you know, right. Um, and just the art of like learning to deal with conflict and, you know, and, you know, really wanting to understand the other person's position. That's super important. So how would you say you stay sharp as a leader? What do you do? Um, I, I surround myself with other great leaders, um, Mm. that really, and, and, you know, some of them, I, I use the word great, right? Um, the, when, when I say great, I'm not necessarily saying people who are people of great, um, of, uh, great recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, they're people who have great families, great mm-hmm. fathers, great husbands, great business people who are leading their teams well and have a tested track record of that. Um, people who I, I let behind the curtain. Mm. who, like I said earlier, can read my mail, you know, yeah. can, can listen well and love me well and love me enough to say, Hey, you need to rethink that, mm. you know, um, and, or can just be really honest with me. Um, and so, you know, and, and really that, that key person is my wife. I give her yeah. that permission, right? Uh, that that's really key for me. You know, I mean, there's there's a business book written every minute, right? There's a le- a new leadership book written every minute, yeah. And I, and I'm not saying those aren't bad, um, but you know, and I'll read I'll read a few of those a year, yeah. Um, but really, where I find life change happen and where I stay the sharpest is when mm. I am in relationship with people who know me really well mm. and are really really willing to go after my heart. Yeah. And how do you find those types of people? Is it on like uh, Facebook? Or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, 
<laughs> you know, wisdom. Uh, you're, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, we, we connect in podcasts. No, um, you know, for me, um, I don't have to have too many of those. I have several of those relationships that I've built over time at Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. I've been at Chick-fil-A for 15 years. Wow. And so there I've been able to observe a lot of leaders. Mm-hmm. And so I built some relationships, uh, across the organization, um, from different roles that, that of people that I, I trust. And I think too, um, for me as well, uh, in the church world, we, Abby and I have led worship at a lot of churches, um, mm-hmm. over the years and we've, we've just built some relationships. And so I have, have those friends that I can call at any moment, or we meet for coffee on a regular basis that, that know my struggles, know my heart, you know, walk through life with me. And so, yeah, so for me, that is, you know, I have this, this distincted advantage of being in an organization that is really good at this. It's part of our culture mm-hmm. is to do development. Um, so it's kind of an expectation uh, mm-hmm. in some ways too. Uh, but then also I've just been intentional about it outside of there yeah. um, in, in my church relationships as well. Awesome. Yeah. It's so important to surround yourself with the right people. And that whole famous quote of, you know, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Right. Um, it's very true. So what would you say, you know, as my last question, um, that you're really excited about in the coming, you know, 12 months or so, what are you working on and what are you excited about? Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I'm excited on multiple fronts. I mean, Chick-fil-A, I've, I've got a lot of fun projects that I'm working on right now um, that, you know, I, I just get to see things built. I'm kind of a creator. Mm-hmm. One of my strengths is that. And um, so I get to see some of those things, you know, activated on. And it's a lot of fun there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very collaborative. And then personally, you know, I, Abby and I are always, always working on writing music. We've got a songwriter group that we meet with every Thursday night. We don't write music every Thursday night, mm. but they're they're really they're really family for us. They're yeah. what we were talking about. They they're people who we do life with on a very mm. consistent basis, and and are uh, very much know our family. And so we we co-write with a couple of artists in that group, uh, and um, you know they've got some releases that they've just recently released. So that's exciting mm. uh, that we were co- that we co-wrote on. Uh, and then, you know, I've got a song that I, I wrote recently that, um, we're in production with right now, going to release that as a single very soon, um, which, which will be fun. And then we're writing right now as well with our team, uh, at church, um, to release a little EP, hopefully, uh, next, uh, early next year. I think we're going to start production in July. Um, and that, that's one way that I developed my team at church, Mm. even though that is a part-time gig for me just very intentional about that's a great way to build relationships and a great way to get vulnerable with each other is write music together um and so that's that's a blast Mm -hmm. uh and then you know i think i was telling you earlier i'm probably going to be starting a podcast soon called the 15 minute 15 minute dad um that uh is all uh just kind of words of wisdom and interviewing other fathers who are along the same journey uh, and so that uh, means that I only have to be a dad for 15 minutes a day, right? Is that right. Exactly. No, <laughs> no. So that, where that came from, actually, uh, I have a, about a 45 minute to an hour commute, depending on traffic to work. Yeah. Day. And my daughter goes to work with me. We, one of the great uh, perks I have is daycare on site. And so yeah. my daughter goes to work with me every day and I try to listen to podcasts. I try mm-hmm. to, you know, like listen to different things. 
and I have found that with my daughter in the car, I can only get about 15 minutes of focus <laughs> every day. Yeah. Uh, one way uh, to really listen to something. And that yeah. 15 minutes is broken up. And so, you know, and cause, cause I'll have this like hour and a half podcast I'm trying to listen to. And I'm like, yeah, it takes me a week yeah. to listen to this thing. Just one episode. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I'm like, okay, if, if other dads are like me, mm. this is what they're going to have time for. So that's uh, why I'm like, let's keep this thing concise. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. So, um, for people who want to, you know, stay kind of up to date with what you're doing and maybe, you know, see when that podcast is launching and things yeah. like that, what are the best ways to stay connected with you? Yeah. So, um, we have a website, jayandabbeymusic.com. That really carries most of our information for most things that we keep public. Um, a lot of our social media, we keep private at mm-hmm. this point. Um, but I will probably start some uh, public facing once that podcast is ready to launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start that ahead of time and start building uh, that platform. Um, cool before we we launch the podcast so awesome. but yeah uh right now jayandabbeymusic.com that's the best place to get a hold of us sweet awesome yeah well, thanks for being on the podcast that's great and sharing lots of great things uh i feel like this is one i'm gonna reference multiple times <laughs> in the future and listen back to and take notes so i appreciate your time and uh yeah we look forward to your podcast launching Well, awesome. Hey, Wisdom, it's been an honor and a joy. And if I can ever do anything for you, let me know. Thanks for listening to the All About the Journey podcast. To connect with Wisdom, you can find him on Instagram at Wisdom Moon or Facebook at Wisdom Moon Official. To check out the show notes of this episode, head over to allaboutthejourneypodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. We'll see you next time.